0: Hey everybody, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called, What It Takes to Have an Olympic Athlete Mentality. I can't wait for this one, guys. Um... There's a lot that led to me deciding to do this episode today. Um, For sure, my co-host, the French Bulldog Stitch, will be joining us. I can hear him panting. It is a hot day. I'm very excited to be here doing this one today, though, guys. So I hope you stick around for the whole show. All right, here we go. So as many of you know, I have two young kids and... I don't know if I've discussed it much on here but one of my kiddos has always had NBA dreams like stars in his eyes he wants the big spotlight but it's not about that at all he truly loves the game of basketball and can think of no better way to live his life than to be doing his favorite thing for the rest of his life so (laughs) where this goes who knows but you know his dad was six foot five his mom Eh, five seven and a half maybe (laughs) um you know so yeah he's got some chances of being a really tall kid um and you know the right stature the right mentality for sure because both of his parents were very much um very competitive athletes so it's in his genes it's in his you know his mental dna (laughs) if that's such a thing but you know i don't know so i signed him up for um aau basketball for those familiar it's like you know some higher level playing to see how it shook out when he played against other kids that were at a higher level and i'm not gonna lie it was like a tough start <laughs> it was a lot of like swallow your pride a bit like you're a know, long ways to go which is good i mean on the one hand that's not a bad thing but listen there is no room in the mentality of somebody who wants to go big time with anything um, for any kind of naysayers or doubt. So as a parent, do not discourage your kids. It is a tough and fine line between squashing their dreams and planting doubt inside them or, you know, giving them this false sense of reality that they're going to be the next LeBron James. You know, so how do you find the balance there of like, yes, I want you to dream big, anything is possible, and yet still, let's have a backup plan. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, right? So I just have to tell my backstory here. Um, I know my family listens and I'll be like laughing to hear this because it's been a long time since really talked about or thought about any of this, but our family was big, big in karate, Um, to the point where it was a seven day a week thing for us. We had gotten to the point where weekends were always tournaments, Um, I mean, I can't remember the exact, but I want to say Mondays were kata nights. Um, Wednesdays were um, weapons nights, maybe. Fridays were sparring and Tuesdays and Thursdays we would teach. I think it was something like that. At a certain point, all of us, like all but my mom, who at one point even got involved and did do karate for a small bit just to be involved with the family because that's where we were living, (laughs) you know, we were in the dojo. That was it. So, I mean, I missed school dances. I missed a lot of the fun things. And there was times I had to make the tough decision that I don't know if I like really had made the choice for myself at that point. I was still sort of doing it for my parents, mostly my dad, because I thought it was what he wanted me to do. So, um, you know, when it kind of shook out, they said my dad had a, you know, sort of meeting with me saying, hey, listen, I don't want you feeling like you missed out on your whole childhood over this. Like if this is something you really don't want to be doing anymore, then, you know, I support that. So the thing was, um, when we were young, we when I say we competed, we didn't just go to like tournaments. We weren't in one of those schools where like everybody pays to play, so to speak, where if you paid enough money, you get your next bill. It was not like that. You could be a white belt for your entire adulthood. Like they didn't care. The only people who ever got, you know, promotions to the next level were the people who were ready. Like they were getting to be way too good to be wearing that white belt around their waist anymore. So then the next time a testing came up, they'd be in line to try. They could fail. Like this is not like everybody gets a medal kind of mentality. This was like a lot of people didn't get them. So, you know, when we go to tournaments and stuff, it was easy for us to win. Because, you know, let's say you had a purple belt, but you were in a division, you know, against other purple belts and you were clearly better than them because you were really already ready for your brown belt or your black belt. But you, like most other schools, would have anybody at your talent level already in the black belt competition. <laughs> so, you know, it was like... Um, Because they were so hard on us, we were really good. You know, and one of those, when our school showed up, everybody kind of cringed and went, oh, no, because they're going to take all the medals, which was a great feeling, right? Big confidence booster when you're a kid. And I remember my brother, um, they had the nationals the year that my brother was um, in them somewhere close to home. So it wasn't a big travel expense or anything like that. So he qualified for the Junior Olympics, and the Junior Olympics that year were in Florida. So I remember him... Oh, here comes Stitch. Right on cue. (laughs) So I remember that my brother made it to the junior Olympics and then was able to travel to the junior Olympics because they were in Florida and it wasn't that big of a, a expense for our family, you know? So he went to the junior Olympics, he carried the New Hampshire flag, if I remember correctly, um, uh, and you know, did well. So then, who? how many years later? I don't even know. Um, uh, maybe a couple years after that, um, the Nationals came up again, and I wanted to compete. Well, okay, so it's the Olympics, so we know how many years later it is. <laughs> my brain's really not full, running on full right now. So anyway, when it was my go round, um, the Nationals to qualify for the Junior Olympics were all the way in Ohio. Now, for those of you who are familiar with um, where New England is, I mean, I'm from New Hampshire. Ohio is a, a trip, you know? It was a plane flight, so... I'm pretty sure we flew there. I'm pretty sure the the hotel expenses, the tournament expenses, all the stuff. I'm sure my parents told me before I even did that, just so you know, even if you qualify for the Junior Olympics, the odds of us doing that are not that high for us to take another big trip and do this. Well, I did qualify for the Junior Olympics that year. And so that was a bit of a letdown, you know, financially speaking, you know, I mean, we were fine, but we weren't the family that was doing several vacation trips a year. So it was just not in the cards. And when you're young, that's a big letdown, especially when you work really hard to get somewhere and then that has to happen. And it it feels like, ugh, all that hard work. And I don't have that, like, you know, the medal to show. I made it to the Junior Olympics, but I never got to compete in them. So that's a bummer. So when it came time to like decide, keep doing karate, not, I felt like I mean I felt like there was this constant fight for me to get to the top. and then every time I had the opportunity, something like that happened where I never got to compete at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was frustrating for me. And so I decided to take a pause from it. I don't even remember how old I was, but I was in high school. So I had gone through like my elementary middle school to high school. And I'm sure it was just at the point where, you know, college applications and all these things that come up. um, Yeah, I just needed to take a break. (laughs) And so if I remember right, even when I decided to do that, my dad started teaching out of our home and um, and used our basement as a dojo to, you know, have our students and stuff learn right there in the house or in the backyard training and I ended up doing that anyway with them. So I don't know if I ever totally stepped away from it. But then um, fast forward when it was probably oh, it was before my sophomore year in college, I think. I decided that it was something I really missed that was just such a, a part of my life that I wanted it back. I was like, you know what? It was There was a a mental training piece. There was a physical, you know, just feeling healthy and clear and good, um, all these things. It, It offered me more than I realized until I stepped away from it that I missed. And when I got to college, one, there was two things I noticed. One was that when you have like that Olympic sort of mentality, it's what I call it, Um, to be super competitive and at the top of your game. This doesn't matter what we're talking about. Sports, um, in the workplace, it, it goes across everything. When you have that mindset, it is the way you approach life. You know, so when I remember studying for exams in college, I would literally put a book on the floor underneath me and I'd flip my hair upside down while I blow dried it and I'd be reading the book and studying all the way up until it was time to like leave for class. You know, there was never a book not in my hand, but it paid off, (laughs) you know? I mean, I was able to graduate with my master's and doctorate with a 4.0, which probably doesn't mean anything to this generation because it's like a whole new grading system, but that was as good as you could get back then. And um, it was because of the way I approached sports and the way that I was brought up and raised to like, you don't just partially commit to something, you're all in if you're doing something. Um, You know, I mean, my, my parents were, We're tough in that way. Like, you know, if you had an A minus, it was kind of like, wait a minute. Before we celebrate here, I see other A's on your report card. So what went wrong here? So there was never like a, whoa, that's amazing. Good job. It was more like, are you really pushing yourself to your limits? Because if you are, then this is fantastic. But if that A minus, you know, you you're proving with all your other grades could have been an A, then what the heck happened? Like, why is this one not as good as the others? Are you not putting in as much time with your homework? Are you? <laughs> there was it wasn't like it's not good enough, but it was kind of like uh, wait a minute, what's happening here? So it it did sink into my pores and my cells, and I felt like you know, oh, it was a way of being for me, and so. Then as an adult, so I mean, I say adult, but you know, 18 when you go on to college. But I was like fighting for a position in their physical therapy department because I got into the school, but I didn't necessarily get into the PT program. It takes I think it was your third year that you had to apply to get in. So out of all the students, I think only 50 were accepted into the program. And there was well more than that that we're trying to get in. And so then if you didn't get into the PT program, it was like, well, we have this exercise science degree you could get or like, you know, other things you could pursue um, or just your bachelor's in biology. But um, I didn't want that. I knew I wanted to be a physical therapist. So I let go of playing other sports like basketball and things that would take away from me, you know, attending class, getting the best grades, anything that I thought would deter me, I stopped doing. And um, but yeah, I still had this inner desire. So my sophomore year, I remember because I know a dorm I was living and I remember practicing in there. Um, I remember I went back to karate. I went back to my old um, teacher from way, way back from when the school was like at its best, the years when it was really at its best. And I asked him if he would train me. And he said, I've got a couple other students I'm working with and I will. And there was like, three or four of us, that was it. And we would go, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Vermont, (laughs) and we would drive out there and train with him. Um, it was wild. It was the most intense i have probably worked out and he expected a lot (laughs) and he wasn't necessarily doing it right there next to you. So, you know, when your legs are bouncing because they are so sore and they can't hold this position any longer and your legs are trembling. Um, you know, I think he thought we were just sort of being, you know, lazy or whatever. But truly, I w- it was to the point of collapse, and I would push myself to the very edge. Uh, it was still very much in me. Um, and I remember us going to Maine, and um, there was a big qualifier for the World Games you know, you had, I think you had to have a ranking or something going in. It's been so long I can't even remember all the ins and outs, but I remember qualifying for the world games and they were going to be in Italy. (laughs) And I remember being like, wow, this opportunity is even better than the junior Olympic opportunity. This is going to be amazing. So I remember spending that whole summer just getting in the, the best shape of my life. Like I've never been in better shape. And I remember, um, I just remember the trainings like I was just telling my kids this tonight because we just had this conversation I'll get into that in the second half of the show, but um I was just telling them about how I had to envision every time I trained That I wasn't sitting in a dark dank basement I would put my uniform on not just any uniform but my competition uniform which is like a heavyweight uniform makes a like nice crisp sound when you like make a punch or a kick. It has this like good, it's just a great material anyway. Um, but it's also incredibly heavy and hot. And so I would wear that like I was in a competition and I would go in the basement by myself. Sometimes I would have my, you know, earbuds in or my, you know, headset on or whatever. So I could go down there, get in the mode. Like I am getting ready. Cause that's what I always did right before a competition. Um, you know, I would stretch and get ready for it. And then I would it was like I'd close my eyes and I'd be somewhere else. I would see the judges sitting there, I would imagine my parents in the audience, everybody who I wanted to, you know, impress including myself. You know, I would build it right up in my mind. It's that moment. It's it's do or die thing. You know, I would get there. I would take myself visually there. Little did I know I was doing law of attraction, right? I was seeing it. I was seeing it in my mind's eye, me at that competition, which then of course I got there, right? Like I got to do it. I got to see myself like, what's it going to look like when I do it? How is it going to come out? I'm going to see like them standing ovation, whatever, do it in your mind. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing back then. And so I trained that way every time, like it was that important. So when my legs started to tremble, I didn't just give in like you do when you're in your basement alone, because you're imagining you're in the middle of this competition, everyone's looking at you. So you have to go beyond the point of collapse, right? You don't get to just stop because you're sore, which is what we do when we train alone. So I pictured that I was not alone. (laughs) And that's how I got through those hard times. And it's really powerful. It's such a powerful trick. But, um, just to give you guys the whole round story, once again, I was, it was a little bit of a wah, wah, wah story that, um, (laughs) the junior, so the junior Olympics, I told you how that all went. Um, but the world games were going to be in Italy. I had trained, we had fundraised, we'd found sponsors, we were ready to go. We had, I just found yesterday the form that I had filled out, you know, they set you up in this certain hotel and like all the stuff that comes with it and everything, Well, the way the story goes, and this is just another like nod to the universe does have your back and is looking out for you in every situation. Um, so, well, first I could not attend. And this sounds crazy that once again, I let myself, you know, miss out on the thing I had worked so hard for, but, um, but I had to keep in mind what my end goal really was. And for me, the way my life needed to look wasn't that i needed to have you know the the medal around my chest because what did i do with the medals that i got when i won the nationals or the qualified for the uh, world games um they hung on a like shelf in my bedroom until my parents moved and i think they got thrown in a box i'm pretty sure most of them ended up on the curbside to get like thrown away with the trash and i might have saved a couple of them to show my kids someday but like honestly that It wasn't like that's what I was living for. You know what I mean? Who was even gonna know? That that was like an internal thing that was gonna feel really good to achieve, but no one was gonna really know about it. So, what I really wanted in my life was to become a physical therapist. So, I had a choice to make. They said to me, You can go, of course, you can go and you can miss, but just so you know, you won't be able to complete your finals. And if you don't complete your finals, it's going to largely affect your end grade because it's X, you know, percent of your total grade. And, you know, you're coming up on applying for this physical therapy program and, you know, it's not going to reflect very well. And I had to once again make a choice that I didn't love it. I mean, I really wanted to go to the world games. I'd made it in Italy. Who doesn't want to go to Italy? So anyway, I did not go, but here's where I was saying like the universe has your back. Um, the group that did go, that I was supposed to be with, their hotel room got broken into. Their passports, their credit cards, their cash, their everything stolen. And I had I did have the feeling that the universe had my back in that moment. I was, like, so grateful that I had made the right choice that, you know, I mean, from what they said, and who knows, because everybody has their own perception of things, but they said that, you know, the judges were primary primarily Italian judges um, and from another country, I can't remember what it was, and that that year it felt very much skewed towards um, certain, how do I explain it, it's like certain types um, of... Like, let's say if Seda was the type of karate I did, like, maybe that wasn't their favorite, but maybe they preferred, you know, some other type of karate, so they scored better, or whatever it was. There was, like, some kind of, they had a feeling of a bias amongst the judges. I don't know about that, but... That's just because I like to believe that everything is fair. <laughs> Maybe that's just me looking through my rose colored glasses, but um, those things happen anyway. You can't, I mean, that's a subjective judging situation. So, you know, <laughs> like any other sport that has a subjective component to it, where, you know, the judges sometimes are rating it against a scale, other times it's a matter of preference. I don't know. But I do know that having gone wouldn't have checked a bucket list thing for me, per se. But getting my physical, getting into the physical therapy program, very much was a bucket list thing for me, and I did make it in, so I was happy for that. But I want to go into this, the second half of the show. This was not just story time about my life. There's a reason I'm building up to this because if there's anybody out there who wants to know how to embrace the mentality of a winner, I'm gonna tell you how I did it, how it can be done. Don't go anywhere. Hey guys, just a reminder that I have a free Facebook group for people who are experiencing soul-crushing loss, uh, like the loss of a soulmate, and we are helping support one another inside it with tips and coaching and really just an em- enormous amount of very supportive and uplifting people, and it's like no other group I've ever been a part of online. So I don't want anybody to miss out on that if it's something they think they could benefit from or a friend could benefit from. It is a private group, but all that means is that you need to request to join, answer a couple questions, and then as soon as it's usually around once a week that I go through and let a whole bunch of new members in, and then you'll be in and ready to to start contributing as soon as you want or as soon as you feel ready. So uh, I'm excited to see how, how many people decide to take me up on that, but yeah. Um, I will drop the link in today's episode for anybody who's interested, so just make sure if that sounds like something that's for you or someone you know, that you just head on over and grab that link in the description. All right, guys, now back to the show. Okay, so now back to present times. (laughs) I got a little detoured there at the beginning of the show today in story time, but um, fast forward to today. Well, let me start with this. Maybe it was a bucket list thing for me because I'm still dabbling as an adult with the idea of going back and maybe someday doing either a world game circuit or, um, or Olympic type thing for, for karate once again, just because it feels like a box unchecked to me. Um, and I just think it'd be so fun and fun for me as a mom to have my kids there to support me with it this time would be kind of cool. So we'll see. But that aside... What keeps somebody uh, pushing themselves to that type of, you know, like, like why see that there's a limit, right? Sure, there's people out there hearing this right now going, oh my gosh, lady, hang it up. There's no way, you know, at your age that that's going to be, you know, a dream fulfilled. But who knows? Who's to say that? I don't ever let there be a roof to, you know, what I can achieve in this lifetime. There's so much that can be done and so on our car trip home today from that one-on-one basketball training that we did that's all i preached (laughs) i was just trying to get my kids fired up and i realized something you can't fire someone else up that's not a thing You can try, like, with my positivity, I can surely, like, affect moods. I know this because I've got people inside my group who are constantly saying, oh, thank goodness I needed this today. So it's almost like a little infusion of positivity and, you know, like, just an outlook that they needed for that day. But do I actually think that it's rubbing off on them? Mm, I don't know. So, I mean, my kids are just such very different people than my husband and I, but I see little shimmers I guess within both of them that they have the potential for it and that's what keeps me pushing them. And listen parents, I'm not saying it can't be done. I mean certainly sometimes words just hit when it's said at the right moment and in the right way, you know for someone else, sometimes it's exactly what you need to take that next step. But oftentimes it's there it's not. It's a self a self-driven thing and I, I hate to say that but in the same breath, I love to say that because that should serve as inspiration for you. Forget like trying to influence others lives. If it is an internal push, that means you can turn it on in yourself. Right? So anybody listening has this potential within them. It's just a matter of where you see the ceiling. And I just don't see ceilings ever. Like I, I, it's a mentality. It's a way it's almost like no matter what I do, I don't know. I I could join a brand new company tomorrow at the very bottom level of the company and feel confident enough shortly after working there to, to inquire and find out what does it take to get to the top in this company. Like I just don't think of like staying mediocre very long, for me. That's just not a. That's just not where I hang out. I don't do that to myself. I never just accept that it's good enough. I always, always, always think. What next? What else can I do? Because it gets boring standing in one place. Like who wants to have the same job for so many years or do the same exact things or know what tomorrow is going to bring? That's so boring. (laughs) It just is. I feel like the stagnant life is not for me. It's just never been. I'm always like, okay, and what else? Like I'm Okay, these are all the things I'm simultaneously doing right now. Just so you know, I'm writing two books at the same time because I could not pick between topics. I'm writing them both at the same time. So when I feel inspired towards one, I add to that one. When I feel inspired towards the other, that's where I put my attention. Don't even care. I don't pause or force myself. I just keep working on it in the background as I'm going. So that's one thing. I'm working on research in the way of sleep for grieving individuals. So I'm doing that also sort of in my free time when I feel passionate about it, adding to it. I work on it a little more. Um, I just signed up for something else that's really big. I'm going to hang on to this one in my back pocket and not share it yet until I know for sure it's a, a certain thing I had to apply. So we'll see. Um, so I have that coming up, which is a very major thing. Um, you know, I'm continuously co- grief coaching. Um, coaching my son apparently with basketball, but I have also signed him up for extra help because mom is not always the best. So for all you parents out there trying to push, just know this, it's not on you. It is your kid. It is their life, and they're going to have to decide. Inspire them through your own actions of reaching higher and not praising them for mediocrity like i'm telling you right now that is like one of the biggest killers in today's society i feel like oh people every kid gets a medal stop the nonsense yes we're all special but listen let's reward the outstanding still it is so spectacular to watch people push themselves to the highest heights and somehow separate themselves from the masses and when they do should they not be honored for that because if everybody's getting a participation trophy it doesn't feel special when you get a trophy for you know being an MVP which is not even a thing anymore by the way the most valuable player nobody's the most valuable we're all special okay well then guess what happens everybody stops pushing themselves because no one's trying to get the award anymore that's the way we work. And it's sad, yes, that we need to sometimes be working towards something like a trophy or a acknowledgement or a promotion or a whatever it is, but we do like to be rewarded for hard work and for being superior in areas. And I know that sounds like ick, but it's true because it just makes you feel internal pride in yourself when you've been able to do things that others might not have been able to conquer. You know, not everybody can do it. And so when you get there, it's special. So, like, let's not take the specialness away by making everybody get acknowledged. Because guess what? When everybody gets acknowledged, there's a huge mass quantity of people who are okay with being okay. And so one of my kids, I think, had fallen victim to this, which is like, you know, just, yeah, we're all the same. We're all, you know what? I'm actually better than most of the kids I play with at school. And Well, guess why? That's because we live in the middle of some small podunk town. And I hate to say that, but it's so true. We live in the middle of nowhere. And guess what's going on right now outside my window? There are tons of kids playing like by the water or like swinging from swings and doing whatever, but they're not like You know, I mean, if you live in the middle of the city and you don't have this big playground in your backyard and you have this dream of wanting to play a professional basketball career, guess what you're doing? Not just at the end of the day after you play around all day, but guess what you're doing all day? Pick up basketball at the park. So that's what I was trying to instill in him is like you're comparing yourself to this small sampling of people around you when what you should be comparing yourself to is the world at large because I don't even care if in all of America you're still at the top of your game there might be some guy in China who's way better than you so just always imagine that even when you're at the top of your game in the tiny little petri dish that you have you know of samples like really there is such a bigger world out there and somebody is not in their bed playing, a, you know, with their screen time and or on social media or whatever, you know, watching a cartoon. I don't even know. I'm like losing touch now with what 13-year-olds think is, is fun to do. But honestly, like there's somebody else out there who's doing push-ups right now. There's somebody else out there who is sweating until it hurts, you know, who's at that last, that breaking point where you're almost to collapse. There's somebody else out there when the, the sun goes down and it's dark, has their lights on in their driveway and they're still shooting the ball. Like, how do you instill it in somebody? Because I've said this speech to them so many times, but what it really took, and I think today might have finally sunk in, was somebody else saying it to them, which is the main reason that I signed up for this one-on-one training. Because one, I wanted them to learn from somebody other than me, but I mean, even if I was better than the coach, I wouldn't even say anything because I would rather him learn from anybody else than me. And I'm not better than his coach, but I'm saying, like, even then, I would still have signed him up for this because he needs to hear it from somebody else who he respects. And not that he doesn't respect me, this is coming out awful. But, um, you know, somebody else who, put it this way, when I was a kid, I was very polite, but I was also a bit shy around my friend's parents. So I remember going to a friend's house, ironically, actually, this very karate instructor who ended up um, teaching me in my college years, but uh, I was at his house. I was friends with his daughter, and um, he actually had something going on where he didn't feel good that day, but had done all this stuff for us, like gone out of his way to give us the best day, and I had the best day, but... I was like nervous to say thank you a lot or to say anything unless my friend did first. I kind of followed their lead. That was my way up to that point because it felt a little uncomfortable. Like it felt a little weird to be like saying thank you when they're not saying thank you or whatever it was. You know, I've always felt a little funny about it until the day he called me out on it now my parents had called me out a million times and they're like did you say thank you yeah oh thank you yeah that's that means nothing first off when the parents are the ones instigating it but when you're a kid it's so incredibly hard to do on your own so the moment though that he called me out on it and he said to both of us you know hey guys look at all the things we did today did you guys say thank you for any of it and I it's so embarrassing to hear that, especially when you know better, especially when you wanted to say it, but we're just like, oh, I'll just wait till they do. You know what I mean? Like I was just following her lead because that's what felt comfortable. But in that moment, I grew so much because it was any adult but my parents telling me it. When my parents said it to me, there was no shame. There was no embarrassment. There was no self-reflection that went on. When he said it to me, it was like, oh my I did know better. I knew I should have done that on my own without anybody having to tell me, but I was just so nervous. I didn't know when was a good time, if it was going to be awkward if I said it first before her, whatever, all these things going on, it went away. And he brought it right back down to like, who are you at your soul? You know better than this. And I needed it to come from anybody but my parents because trust me they had said it a million times and trust me I've said it to my child a million times the same speech as a matter of fact after his one-on-one training was done today we sat there for a little while just chatting with the coach and everything he said was redundant as heck from everything I have said to him a million times over but he had this little bit of embarrassment when his coach called him out on it and said flat out I watched you at the start of AAU season. You started here, you worked your way up to here, and now you're back. Like, what has happened? Have you been practicing? How many times a week have you been practicing? uh, I don't know, maybe three. Um, I'm like, yeah, he practices like crazy, but weather dependent. He's not really been like, you know, so he hasn't been getting in that much lately, is the truth of the matter. And, you know, (laughs) he needed that moment of shame almost I hate to say it that way I'm not saying like shame yourself into being but it's true there was this little bit of like he needed to be called out because when we're talking about Olympic mentality like NBA dreams right like come on kid this is big you're wanting it all and you can't want it all people and not be willing to do more than the masses so Sure, you can be like, well, I know every single kid from my basketball team and they're all sitting at home right now, you know, on their video game or whatever. That's all fine. But you don't know what you don't know and how many people are out there not doing that right now is what I would say. And it really did take a little shake up. And the best part that I love the most was when the coach literally said to him, he mostly coaches girls, and he said, I had those four or five girls that were training with you on Friday. They're all on my best team, my A-teams or whatever, and they are all went from like not really scoring in a game to like averaging about 25 points or whatever it was. You know, he gave him like the lowdown, like, hey, listen, these girls are like they're all going to be on varsity as a freshman. So all those things he had to hear to know if these girls can do this, I can do this. I can totally do this. I know I can. But if I said it a million different ways, hmm. I mean, there's some growth that happens. There's a little inner reflection, but usually, what would happen is like the next day, a really intense workout day, and then the next couple days, I'd watch it sort of taper down until a good rainstorm, and then we were right back in the groove of not pushing anymore. And it's just a very different mentality. Um, it's a mentality where like the the end dream is what you're excited about. So it's not like a goal. It's not goal chasing. It's not, um, you know, setting these high aspirations, you know, and then grinding to get there. It's not even all that there is a mentality where you have to believe it's happening no matter what you're visualizing and seeing the end result of you having it and what it feels like. And you are in for it. You don't care if it's pouring rain and that rain is, you know, just in your face and whatever you're so grateful that it's cooling you off because you've been sweating in the 90 degree heat all week. And so it's a welcome thing. You don't care that it's dark anymore. You got lights that you can flip on. You know, there's the excuses go out the window. And when we first arrived at the court today, the first thing my son said was, oh, nice. They fixed the hoop. Oh, man, they fixed the hoop. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) I'm confused. Oh, well, you know, we didn't have a net and stuff. So that's really good. And they like reinforced it and stuff. But now there's like a double rim. And now none of my shots are going in. I was like, what? Like, you can't make up enough excuses for me to buy this, right? Like, so I watched him take a few shots, and I think he was, when it hit the hoop, they kind of bounced around and kicked out. But it wasn't the hoop that was the problem. It was his lazy shooting technique. And as a coach myself, uh, it didn't take much for me to identify all the things wrong with like, you know, his wrist wasn't strong enough. He was, you know, there was like a million things wrong with the way in which he was shooting. And I was like, you know, what bums me out is like last summer you didn't miss a shot and you shot all the time. Like, every time you had a ball in your hand, you were working on your shot. And, like, it's not the same. When I'm watching you right now, it doesn't look that great. And I was telling him all these little critiques that I thought would help him, and he almost looked like he was hurt, like, emotionally hurt that I was saying these things. And I was like, what? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I'm watching you, and I know that that you can do better technique than what you're doing. So I don't think the excuse of it being the hoop is really going to fly. Because, I mean, I bet if you had another, like, let's say the coach shows up and starts taking shots and they start going in. Well, then we've just now ruled out the fact that it's the hoop, right? (laughs) So let's get that right out of your head. Because guess what? It's just like life, guys. What I've been talking about on this show, if you have an excuse, guess what? Like, you're expecting it to go a certain way you're expecting it to bounce around and bounce out because it's this new rim so that's what you're going to get you know i mean i didn't go into it every time i trained for any like type of sport thing thinking to myself well, you know, my, my kick isn't quite as high today, but it's probably because it's so cold out when you're hot, you know, you're so much, it's easier to stretch and get like good height on these kicks. But man, it's been so cold lately. My muscles are tied. Oh, (laughs) wow. None of that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, it isn't really like, those are excuses at the end of the day. Sure. I mean, maybe there's a little validity in there. It's like, I don't know. Sounds more like, I don't know, like a, just a bad excuse. And I'm not even going to get into the the whole like cliche sayings around excuses, but literally they they're not going to help you. So whether or not there's any truth in them, who cares? Right. If one person can make a shot on that hoop, that means it's still possible. So let's figure out what you can do better. Right. Or just like, let's keep working on other skills then and move on. But um, (laughs) I don't really have a whole lot of patience and tolerance for excuses and reasons why, you know, things aren't perfect. Like, that's not about the perfect. It's about seeing the result that you want, having belief in it, having some fun while you're there, but working your butt off, you know, like working hard towards it. not So this is what I mean. Like, how do you work hard and also just have faith that it's fine? It's going to happen or whatever. All right. Here's how this all comes together, because you do have high expectations, right? You know what this end goal is that you want. But when it doesn't work the first time, it's not just like, that's all right, because I already know I'm going to be a star. and It's not like blowing yourself up full of all these like fantasies. It's not that at all. It's like you make you try to make the shot. It doesn't go in. And then you take that opportunity to be like, what just went wrong? Because my son was saying on our car trip home. You know, I noticed this past season that when I I did my best and I was consistently making a shot here and there or whatever, like it was everything was starting to come into the groove. It was when I was really hard on myself, like I would miss a layup and be like, what? Why did you just do that? You can do so much better. I started getting like tough on myself. And the reason that I think that was when he started to notice himself doing better is because he didn't just walk away from a miss as a loss, you know, like, I can't, believe I just missed that layup. Oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Oh, You know, you hear all these people that get huffy under their breath, like, oh, a donkey I am. Oh. You know, and they, they beat themselves up. When you talk like that, you are literally setting the stage for yourself to miss every next shot. So being hypercritical of yourself will not get you there. You know, like kicking yourself when you're down and being like, oh, what an idiot. No, no, stop. Like, it's not that at all, but being critical in the way of what went wrong there? This is interesting because I'm really good at layups. What did I do wrong? What didn't I do that I could do so much better? And then taking that and keep working on it, not walking away from it, not being like, okay, I'm done practice for the day because it's four o'clock and that means I get to be done, but being like, oh, mom, can I stay for five extra minutes? I just want to work on this right now because there's no reason I should be missing layups in a game. I can totally do this. Just I just need to, like, get it back on track. And then you practice it for a little bit. And then once you get your groove, muscle memory is a beautiful gift for athletes. Let me just tell you, once you get it right, don't just walk away and be like, I'm going to end on a make. Because a lot of people say that. I was guilty of that for a long time. But it's not just about ending on a make. Once you make it, now do it a few times in a row. That's muscle memory. That's getting it ingrained in the fibers of your very muscles and your nervous system to know what it feels like when it's done correctly and to reinforce the way they were used in the correct fashion. So my, I think it was my youngest, used to do this thing where they would like screw around and kind of, no, it was my oldest maybe, I don't know. But where like they would mess around and do this like, I don't know what it was, but it was like not the way you're supposed to do it but they were just screwing around. So they'd always be like, but I'm just messing around right now. I'm not actually playing. I'm just screwing off. But if you're doing it when you're just messing around or whatever, your muscles don't know the difference between when you're in competition and just screwing around. So if you do it sloppy and silly or the wrong method and the wrong muscle rhythm and the wrong muscle memory and all those things, it's reinforcing the bad behavior. Just like flinching when someone pegs a ball at your face you are going to reinforce that that's the way you're going to react every time. So you should do it the right way several times in a row before walking away for the end of the day. Like make sure it's not just the one last make of the day. It's not just the one time doing it correctly. Do it a few times, make it a pattern, make it a rhythm. You know, once you've got the pattern and the rhythm to it, that's when it's okay to sit down for the day. But then It shouldn't be like okay I'm done for the day later in the day try to pick it up again make sure it's still there you know make sure that's cemented in before you just move on and then continuing it so every time you go back to train you do the same thing again and again and again each training you're adding to it and doing new things but you're also redoing the old things that you finally mastered to make sure you don't lose them so, guys, this was a little about athletics today. It was a little bit about mentality. It was a little bit about parenting. It was a little bit of history about me that you probably didn't know. <laughs> I don't share with everybody. So like, it seems like lifetime ago these days, but um, so fun to share and talk about and just, like, kind of bust some myths on, like, what it really does take to be an Olympic athlete or, like, Olympic athlete was really just a term I was using for basically the best at anything. You know, if you want to be the top, the the guy who makes his way to the presidency of the company, the person who, you know, doesn't just start at the bottom and stay at the bottom. You want to work your way up to the top at anything. But yes, of course, sports and athletics. Um, But anything. It does not matter what it is. You want to be the best at anything. This mentality will help you get there. Um, Just staying... Like, true to making it something that, one, you're still enjoying. Don't make anything that becomes work becomes miserable. Never let it be work. Always incorporate a little bit of fun and remembering why you even desire to get it. Because, hey, let's face it. Sometimes you might decide that it's not really that thing that you want anymore because it's not really that fun you know if all the fun gets sucked out then yeah it's time to walk away and find a new passion I think or to back off and add and infuse some more fun back into it again but um, yeah just remember why you're doing what you're doing because if it starts to become all work and no play then then no good <laughs> it's not gonna be something worth working that hard for so um, but yeah there was a lot in here today that hopefully can help you in all kinds of different aspects of your life um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'll always be one of those parents that says no to the everybody gets a participation trophy. And hey, this is coming from a mom who at one point, my kid wasn't getting the MVP trophies. So the participation trophy would have been the only trophy. And I'm still okay with him not, not making the team, not getting the trophy, not getting an award, but then figuring out, like, how to get better to get there. I'm all for that. And you know what? My kid who never would have gotten anything except a participation trophy did get a sportsmanship award just last year, I think it was, or the year before, um, because he realized that there's even more to the game than just the competitive nature. He became somebody who looked out for others and having his team come along with him, you know, not always trying to climb to get to the top and push everybody else down along the way. He's quickly figuring out that you know, it's a team sport and that when one of us grows, we all grow. So I love that and lesson there is hope in that because it means that even for the, the parents who really love for the participation trophies to happen, that they can still realize that their kid can still emotionally grow, um, you know, in this social way, get better as a person by not getting a trophy for participating. You know, look at what happened with my son, he ended up getting a sportsmanship trophy. But again, that's not given to every kid. So, you know, being kind is not enough. You gotta go out of your way to make sure that you're encouraging from the sidelines. And, and that was a huge lesson for him. So uh, you know what, I'm appreciative of it. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, it was inspired by my kids. They helped me come up with the topic for today and I think it was perfect, great timing. Uh, and I hope that you come back and listen to more going forward. All right guys, don't forget to like and subscribe.